It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. I am your host, Tim Shields, and I am joined by my buddy and bro, Wayne Breezy Brown. Wayne, how are we doing today, man? Doing good. Doing real good. Basketball season is almost over. It's coming to an end. And it's time to really get into these playoffs. So I'm really excited, man. But everything is well on my end. That's good to hear, man. And yeah, um, since the Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors uh, without a couple players in their lineup, mainly Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, uh, took that game 97-93. Not a very notable or noteworthy game. But overall, Celtics take the win, end up clinching that two seed. And now they've got two games left that essentially mean nothing. So it'll be interesting to see if they rest people down the line um, and how that plays out. Um, now it's kind of just the waiting game because, you know, they're not able to move up or down. They're staying in that two seed. Um, nothing's going to be changing there in that regard. You know, they already rested Marcus Smart the other night. Um, didn't have Al Horford play on Wednesday because of the back-to-back, but I'm just wondering how they kind of try and stagger some of these minutes now. Like, do you potentially, you still got that roster spot open, right? So maybe you go after a guy like who's in Maine and just sign him. So you have another body like Tony Snell, who can just eat up a couple minutes for these last few games. I'm hoping that we see like a starting five that has, you know, Luke Cornett, Mike Muscala, Sam Hauser, like JD Davison in there. Just because at this point now, these two games really don't matter. The only thing that it could potentially impact, and we will get to that, um, is how that 7-8 and seed lineup. And it's sort of weird now looking back at how the playoffs are usually structured, how they used to be before the play-in, where it's like, uh, let's see how what happens, how the 7-8 and seed kind of land. And now it really doesn't matter as much because 7-8 and seed are going to face off in that play-in tournament. Um, and we will talk about that a little bit today. But... Are you are you expecting them to rest some guys down these games? Because I feel like they kind of have to, and I feel like that's probably the right thing to do. 
Yeah, it's definitely the right thing to do now, especially since number two is locked. Uh, they mm. can't get to number one, and they're not going to fall to number three. So what's the purpose? I mean, I guess you want your guys to go out there and get, you know, you know, some reps and things like that. But listen, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer when Tatum takes a night off, he comes back super fresh. When Jalen Brown takes a night off, he comes back super fresh. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, you know, so forth and so forth. So, listen, if they're not playing for anything, now it's the time to take off. Before a week ago, I was like, look, they need to play. They could push for that first seed, blah, 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 all that good stuff. But now, listen, the second seed is pretty much locked, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, and it was going to be really interesting to see who we see starting in these lineups. I mean, I know Grant Williams would be one of the starting spots. And it and it could be good for them, too, though, Tim, because now these guys can get several minutes. Will Peyton Pritchard be back? I would like to see him out there if he's going to be healthy and things like that. Um, a quick question. Would you put Derek White in, in those lineups? That's that's you I mean, you're not going to rest everybody i don't think but he deserves a rest he's probably been the most consistent basketball player the celtics have had all season long him and malcolm brogdon so <laughs> gonna be really interesting to see i mean you-, you you got a good point there with Dirk, and i i worry about that because he did he did end up like tweaking his ankle in that game and like i immediately worried about it because like you never see him kind of hobble and he shook it off he played the rest of the game he still had a very productive night um, I think he had 17 points. So like he was third leading scorer behind Brogdon, who had a monster night, his best performance by far. And I think is also kind of just stamp of approval for six man of the year. There um, had Joe Missoula saying his praises after as well, but Derek definitely deserves a rest. The poor guy is just putting himself through the ringer. Right. So I'm hoping that Pritchard actually can go back. That That's a guy that you kind of, in this whole equation, this, you know, looking at the arithmetic of this roster and lineup, he kind of gets lost in the equation, so to speak. And because of that, uh, I think he had plantar fasciitis. He tweaked his ankle uh, on that final drive where Evan Mobley fell, like, fell on top of him mm-hmm. during that uh, that Cavs game that they lost in overtime with the infamous Grant Williams free throws. But I, I, I hope that he's back just in case you need him because you never know where – you might want to toss him out there just to kind of give a spark if there's any kind of issue or if you need to put some three-pointers out there. You know, you need some three-point shooters. Um, so we'll see if he's healthy. I, I imagine that if he is, that he will get some run. I'm hoping that they at least manage to get him in in that last game. You know, these these two games, I mean, the Raptors and the Hawks are these last two games, and both of those teams are going to be fighting in some shape, way, manner, form, yeah. proceeding. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what ends up tying to the conversation uh, when you look at the seven and eight seed. Um, so this is an important note. And to be honest, I didn't think that this game was particularly noteworthy either. Didn't really give me any kind of feeling whatsoever, except really one takeaway, but the Celtics lost the 76ers on Tuesday, one Oh three to one one narrow loss. Didn't have Jalen Brown. Didn't have Robert Williams. Um, and it makes sense now because Al Horford, second night of a back-to-back, he rests. So they, what do they do? They rest Rob the first night, have him play against the Raptors. So that made uh, a lot of sense. And it was the same thing uh, where they didn't have, you know, Tatum. didn't have Jalen Brown. And then the game two, they didn't have Jason Tatum. So they are trying to stagger these guys, which is an encouraging sign. But even without those guys in the fold, Celtics still made a game of things. A couple mistakes here or there that you really want to tighten up on, but Nothing that I overly am upset about or get too emotional about. But Joel Embiid 
has a MVP caliber. Like when I talked about this, you know, the stamp, that's what Joel Embiid, I think, did with that performance. That is the only takeaway I have from that game. 52 <laughs> points, hyper-efficient, like something like 20 to 25 shooting from the field. Just like a monster night. And so many of them were just jumpers where it was just money. Joel Embiid looked fantastic. And in an otherwise insignificant game, I think that is like my main takeaway is I think that was kind of like his closing argument on his season for like the MVP candidacy. I think that was, I I think that was it. Like, I don't know about you and you can share your thoughts on it for sure. Um, I feel like it's his time now, as much as it sucks. And I want to say Jason Tatum is the MVP and he played the most games and most minutes and so on and so forth out of all of the guys who are up for consideration. I feel like it's Joel Embiid's time to take that award home. It's tough, man. These big guys usually are the ones that get it, man. They're 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 the more dominant forces out there. They're scoring from everywhere over the court, you know. Uh, usually it's Jokic. He's in the he's in the conversation every single year, and and, and beat is in the conversation. And that one point it will be Jason Tatum's time. But you can say that in this particular game, Joel and B put his stamp on the MVP. But listen, I I still feel the Celtics allowed him to do a lot of that stuff. I mean, like. He was just getting to a spot every single time. And a lot of those shots weren't even contested. And I mean, it was just like, bam. And it's all short stuff too, right? Like he was, he took a couple of threes, but he got to his spot, all super mid range can jump over everybody and was nailing his shots. I I don't know if I'm more concerned about the way that the self, the Celtics were playing defense on him, or were they just trying to, you know, get through the game, get out injury free, uh, possibly get a win because the Celtics still could have won that game. I mean, they had the lead at one point in the game time and it was just like, uh, they kind of let him be back in the game by him setting a little small screen, a little pick. There wasn't a roll. It was like a pick and pop, but it was all mid range. It was just like, boom, bam, like swap. I'm like, dang, do they not know that he's going to do that? I mean, he did it all night long. Uh, he was a dominant force around there under, underneath the rim. And the Celtics, I mean, when you don't have your, your main bigs out there, you're going to get out-rebounded. You're going to miss those second-chance shots, uh, opportunities, and things like that. And Philly, they beat they beat the Celtics. They, they just beat the Celtics. But if I am concerned about one thing, and I don't know how concerned you are, Tim, but the Celtics are struggling to me in the free throws. They're getting to the line, they're getting the calls, and then they're not making their free throws. You make your free throws in this game, you probably win by seven. So it's just like, dang. Like, And then in the game against Toronto, they missed a few free throws as well. I don't know what the free throw percentage is off the top of my head, but they were missing free throws as well. So, like, they got to – they we complain about us not getting the bonus and getting the shots and getting the free throws, but when we get there, we blow it. And it's not just, you know, it's everybody. You know what I'm saying? So got to do better. Got to make those free throws because, believe it or not, it's about to be really dominant with all these teams. I don't care who we play. I don't care if it's the the the, the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors, the Miami uh, Heat. I definitely don't want to see the Heat. I forgot that they had Kyle Lowry, too. He ain't played all year long until yeah. the last night. I watched him, and I'm like, oh, he's a he's a gnat. He's a nagging gnat for the <laughs> Celtics, man. Ugh. I don't want to see Miami, bro. I just don't. yeah, 
And I think the free throw conversation, I think that just comes down to just pure execution, right? I know that Grant Williams has had some free throw issues. Jalen Brown has not been entirely oh, consistent gosh. from the line this season too. I mean, outside of that, I mean, those are like kind of like the two guys that I think of in terms of having some free throw issues. Like Robert Williams goes to the line. Sometimes he usually goes one of two. Sometimes if you're fortunate, he goes to a two. So like, yeah, you do want to see them do better at the line there. And ultimately, you know, your line share free throws are going to be coming from guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. But you do see guys like Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon also get to the line a fair amount now, too. Um, both of those guys have become extremely aggressive, more so Derek White, because he, he's really taken a step forward in his offensive game. Malcolm Brogdon's kind of been one of their main rim pressure guys in terms of just like line driving it like straight to the rim uh, and getting, you know, the ball in the basket. So. Ultimately, yeah, you want to see them execute better on the free throws. In terms of that 76ers game, you know, they're they're three and one against they wrap up the season series against them three one. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm like, sorry, Tim. I, just, I wanted the sweep. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Everyone wants to sweep, right? It's it's I nice and big and sexy to be like, oh yeah, we well, we swept it's this team just, like four nil. Just, it's not just the sexiness in it, Tim. Yeah. It's pure domination saying we owned you. Yeah. That year. Like, you know it. what I mean? There was a year the Celtics couldn't beat the 76ers. Maybe. And then they walloped them in the playoffs. Oh, so my gosh. Like, and then they just, the, the, yeah. You get what I'm yeah. saying? I'm hoping that the, we don't get that vice versa juju this year if we ever see if we see them in the playoffs. But I, I don't fear the 76ers as much as I fear some of these other teams because it's Joel Embiid. And if when, when we're full strength, okay, he he'll still get his 30-plus points. But the rest of the team won't be as active or as adamant. I mean, come on, man. PJ, what was his name? Three, three of four on, on the night. On. He had three threes in that fourth quarter in like the last like five or six minutes. Okay, that concerned me though. Not the fact that he was that making. They didn't his go threes. up and guard him. They didn't contest his three. He took one and he hit it, and that should have been like, okay, well, we have to now honor that guy. But they kept the last one. I think was the worst because they had two guys who were like, was that the one on Tatum? Um, it wasn't, I don't know if it was on Tatum, but there was, it was him and Derek white were like in that corner ready to contest. And then they stopped and then he took it and hit it. And it's like, it was the one I think to put them at uh, up by six, maybe, or maybe to put them up by three again. Okay. All I know was there was one that Tatum didn't go out to guard. He kind of like left him there and the bench was like, I don't know if they were what in Tatum or what in the fact that he actually hit the joint because he was missing all night. (laughs) <laughs> all season like could have been could have been either could have been both bit of both i just <laughs> got you got to defend the the corner three more than any three that corner office man yeah the <laughs> highest percentage shot on the field you got to defend that one i mean so ultimately i think like that philly game i don't think that they were given their full effort i mean they didn't have everybody in house and you're right Tim. it like i get it like they had a they chance to won. win it yeah, yeah, that's my point. You know, they they they, they could have won. They um, didn't, but they didn't. That's it. Right. And I'm not mad, but they're I you know me. I'm gonna go look at the flaws 
I'm the type of coach that's going to work on the things that where we messed up. I don't care if we win or lose. I want to I want to know where we could have been better. That's just always yeah. who I've been. Even doing content creating, I want to know where could I be better? What was the feedback? What was the worst part? This is that and the third because I want to work on that part. Those are my weaknesses. So the weaknesses to me was just defending the perimeter. And it wasn't even the whole perimeter. It literally was just those corner threes. Rule of thumb, just don't leave anybody wide open. Yeah. Can't leave anybody wide open in the NBA anymore. This is not 1995. <laughs> it's true, especially with big guys being able to stress the floor. But in, in terms of looking past that game now, that game essentially put it away out of reach entirely, um, officially, that Boston was not going to be able to go for that one seed. Great. And now after the win against Toronto, that's it. Two seeds locked in. Don't have to worry about any more games. Now, for Philadelphia, they've got, I think it's two and a half games up on the Cavaliers right now. So, hypothetically, like, they need to, like, win one more game to officially put the third seed to bed. They'll have the third seed locked up, um, and they play against the Miami Heat tonight. Now, this ties into the conversation about the seven and eight seed that I mentioned before, mainly because the Miami Heat right now sit in seventh place, um, but they're only a game and a half ahead of the Atlanta Hawks, who are only one game ahead of the Toronto Raptors. So seven, eight, and nine seed are like an absolute crapshoot right now. Um, so those are three of the four teams that are going to probably most likely be in that play-in tournament with seven and eight facing off for the chance to play against the Celtics um, as the seven seed. So the Heat play tonight against the 76ers. If the Heat lose and the 76ers win, 76ers are going to rest probably their last two games because, again, just like the Celtics, their seeding is going to be locked in, and, and that's going to be that. The Hawks play against the 76ers on Friday night. So if the 76ers win tonight and put the third seed to bed officially and the Hawks come out, they have to win in order to kind of keep up with the seeding, they're going to go against the 76ers team that's resting. And so they've got a potential chance to go ahead and leapfrog the Miami Heat. Heat are going to be going against the 76ers. And then I believe it's, oh, geez, now I got to pull it up because they're going against, I think it's the Magic and then the Wizards. Mm-hmm. So it's the Wizards and the Magic for the after Wizards the 76ers. And the Magic. How cool is that? The Wizards yeah. and the Magic. I go mean, figure. Yeah. I don't know. What, what came first, the Magic or the Wizards? I, I, I digress. <laughs> Not in the terms of team name. It was. I'm pretty sure it was the Magic first because the Wizards used to be the Washington Bullets. It used to be the Bullets. There you go. It's kind of a cool nickname. A little bit edgy, but kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so ultimately, I think the Hawks have a really good chance of going ahead and leapfrogging into that seventh seed. Hypothetically speaking, it doesn't really matter too, too much just because the loser of that seven versus eight seed battle in game one of the uh, play-in tournament is going to be whoever gets the seven seed. Um, it does, however, control who gets home court in that matchup. So if Miami's seven, they're going to play Miami. If Atlanta's seven, they're going to play in Atlanta. Now, I think it's going to be one of those two teams that Boston ultimately faces in the round one matchup. Now, for me, and I tend to agree with this, you know, when you look at the matchups, who will the Celtics most likely face and who would give them the most trouble? Um, I think it's very easy to say that it would be the Miami Heat. I know that they're having an underwhelming season, but it, it's still the Miami Heat. It's still Jimmy Butler. We talked about this last show, but Atta Jimmy body. Butler very much. He gives me, you know what he gives me? He gives me DeMar DeRozan vibes in the way go. that he scores. It's like the perfect analogy because they both use that mid-range like crazy. They're both like very they're savvy both, they're veterans. Both long, 
right? Yep. Yeah, that's and the they just problem. draw contact. They get to the line a lot. They get like 15, 20 free throws just because they play like that old school kind of basketball style because they're both kind of from that same era to a, to an extent. But I think Miami is the team that I would worry about. I am hoping that it is the Hawks. Um, <laughs> but they pose different problems, and I can get to that. But I know you mentioned it before, but are, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Miami is the team to really worry about? Because I, I think we're in agreement there. Yeah, because it's like they're just they're just built to beat the stuff. They're built. They're matched up the best for the Celtics. Don't get it twisted. I think the Hawks match up better at the point guard position. That's it. That's that. That's where they match up better. I I feel like our bigs can take their bigs. I feel like our wings can handle their wings. But when you come to the point guard, when it comes to uh, you know, Ice Trey doing his thing, he can just hit from anywhere on the court. Now you can. You, he's defendable. It's just that. Guys might like Marcus Smart may end up in foul trouble. Guys like Derek White may end up in foul trouble. And that's what you don't want because that's when, you know, they go off. But I'm telling you, man, these Miami Heat, and I'm not scared of them. It's just more like, dang, if we can bypass. They're going to be annoying, right? That's, 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 that's it. it you don't like, think they're yeah. going to win, but you think they're going to be really annoying in the I, process. I hate to just, say it, it will go seven games. I really don't want it to. And that's like, I that's know. the issue, right? Like, <laughs> I, I talked about this a little bit before where it's like you kind of want the Celtics to kind of have that first round matchup be a bit of a test to kind of push them. But at the same time, I'm kind of like they sort of dealt with that last year. And they are, tired you can argue, yeah, I was going to say you could argue that it cost them the NBA finals because they out. were banged up and tired by the time they got there because they had two game seven series, one against the Heat and one against the Bucks, both of which are very physical teams. So if you can avoid that, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. It, it literally would. And so uh, it's going to come down to what these other teams do. Uh, now, we that, that I'm glad you brought that up because we, we played the Hawks in our last game at home, right? Uh, yeah, and that's that also ties in the whole thing where it's like if the Celtics are resting and they want the Hawks to have home court in that play-in, they just rest guys and say, and screw it, go ahead, like, go ahead and play. You know? I think that's the rest of the rest game. That's the rest all be all. Let's go get our, our G league players and bring them on up. <laughs> that's the game. I think that's the rest game. I think we'll, we'll see some players play uh, in the uh, matchup uh, in Toronto, but I think that last game, I think that's going to be the rest game. Yeah. And I mean, it should be, I mean, it's the last game of the season at that point, you know what you are or aren't playing for. And I think for Boston specifically, when you're looking at these matchups, Atlanta poses their own problems, right? They've got like multiple really physical bigs that can bang down low, um, especially Clint Capella. Um, that dude is a rebound monster. And when we talked about the Celtics this year specifically, those smaller shifty guards are really what we're going to give them problems. You have to deal with Dejounte Murray, who I feel like sometimes I, I still forget that he's on Atlanta because they haven't played the Hawks a ton this year. Correct. But he's he's a very solid player. And you have Trey Young in the mix there, too, of course. And he's a problem in the playoffs. He's going to be able to get his get to the line. And he's a crazy three-point shooter. Um, and, and that's where those three-guard rotation that you have with the Celtics between White, Brogdon, and Smart, you've got a great mix there. And that is going to allow them to toss a bunch of different looks. And I think the big thing that goes in Boston's favor in a matchup against Atlanta is a lot of their bigs that Boston has, I mean, a lot of Boston's bigs, are able to stretch the floor. Correct. And I think that's going to pull their bigs out of the paint. Adding Mike Muscala, 
you know, he played a lot of minutes. He got minutes over Grant Williams, and so did Blake Griffin to a certain extent. Um, because Grant's been struggling a bit. You need him to get back to what he needs, you know, what he needs to be in terms of what he's giving you off of the bench. Regardless of what role you have him in, he needs to be hustling and he's beginning rebounds and he's had some flashes of that. You just need him to get back his confidence and his consistency, but Mike Muscala's ability to stretch the floor and shoot threes that might factor into a series against Atlanta because you can throw him out there at the center spot as a stretch five, or even throw him at that four spot. He gives you a little bit of roster flexibility there. And I think that could play a factor in any series against Atlanta. So that's what I would look at too. And I, I don't think that Atlanta has any real, I don't want to say they don't have any, but I think you have to ask like, who's going to guard Jason Tatum, and then who's going to guard Jalen Brown. Is it going to be John Collins? Like who, like, who, no, who are you throwing at him? And, and that's kind of where I, I think that would play into their favor more than a series against Miami. Obviously familiarity. Eric Spolstra is a fantastic head coach. Um, one of the best, if not the best still in the league. Um, he, he poses so many matchup problems because of their three-point shooting. And even if they've had a very down year by their standards, I still wouldn't want to choose Miami in a series to go against because it will be a grinder. Even, like, it would make me think of that series against the Nets where, you know, it was, you know, every single game was decided by seven points or less. Yeah. And even though it was a sweep, it was still a very brutal series where you kind of felt like any game could have gone either way. And I think that the Celtics and I think most Celtics fans would want to try and avoid that. And the plus side is if it ends up being a situation where the Atlanta Hawks end up do winning out that series and they do get the seven seed and they go against the Celtics, it means that Miami most likely is going to be that eight seed if they don't lose out. So they would have to go against the Bucks, and that gives the Bucks a whole lot of problems too, because there is history there as well. So Whatever path makes it easiest for Boston and the most difficult for other people, I'm totally on board for. And I do think that also kind of played into the factor of avoid the Cleveland Cavaliers because they are also going to be a matchup problem too. So if if your path is the Hawks, then the winner of the Nets 76ers, and then most likely the Bucks, so be it. Because I think that's probably the best path I can think of where the Celtics aren't going to be completely draining all of their energy in a series. Hopefully, it's definitely the clearest path. Um, <laughs> but it, it would be best if the if things worked out, you know, do the Celtics get a little bit of luck on their side? I mean, we still got to go out there and play and do our daggone job, right? We still got to go out there and, and 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 impose our will on teams. But if we can get some of these teams where we match up best against, that would be really good for the Boston Celtics. Uh, it'd be good for them to get more and more rest as they go along because. Every round is going to be a different level of difficulty for the Celtics. So we'll, we'll see how it shapes out. But again, I'm very proud of our team. Uh, we had a great start to the season. I feel like we're having a great finish to the season as well. Uh, the one thing that I'm learning more about basketball is it's it's not one after game one. It's not lost after game one. There, there were, what, 80 plus games? Like there's time you know, for things to work themselves out. Look at how the West is shaping out, right? You got teams playing, you know, if you win one, the Lakers would have won last night. They would have ended with the fifth seed. It's so weird how it's all set up, but right now they're in the seventh seed, I think. So so the NBA is definitely shaping up. But for the Boston Celtics, uh, they just got to continue to do what they're doing, man. They're, they have a game plan, and if they bring it every night, I just don't see, Tim, how any team will pose a problem 
to the Celtics. And that doesn't mean they necessarily just have to hit all three pointers every single night. No, they just got to bring it every night. The energy has to be right. You know, less mistakes. Like don't keep turning the ball over. Don't play sound basketball. Fundamentals will be key. Come playoff talk. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where it's at right now. Um, I think ultimately when we talked about these last two games and about resting everything like that, you know, you can make the argument for trying to keep into a rhythm, but I feel like the Celtics don't really need that right now. Um, I think that they've been playing pretty damn good at down the stretch, had a couple games where we were upset, but outside of that, like you really can't ask for too much more, you know, if everything goes swimmingly and this is where they end up and they don't win any more games, still a 55 win season. And considering how the offseason, you know, came to a close with everything with Ime Udoka and Danilo Gallinari and then Rob having surgery, you know, this was a really, really good season. And I'm proud of the way the team kind of fought through some stuff, figured some stuff out. And I, I'm pretty confident that we're going to see some really good basketball out of them uh, come playoff time, which will be very, very soon. Um, besides that, uh, I don't know if you have anything else, Wayne, to wrap up before we Bring it to a close. C's up all day, baby. Get your vitamin C. (laughs) Damn straight. Okay. All righty, folks. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Vitamin C's. Be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe. Let us know in the comments uh, what you guys are wanting for content, anything like that. Um, Again, we want to get better. We want to improve. We want to keep building up. So let us know. Other than that, uh, once again, we're part of the CNS Media Network, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet.